Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. We get into the next section here, and this, it seems, you know, God is telling them about these false, wicked practices, and now he's going to further segregate, if I can use, he's going to further um, consecrate his people because he's setting them apart. He wants to set them apart, just like he wants to do with us. We are to be in the world, but not of the world, and just back in here, God is saying, you guys are going to be different because I don't want you like everybody else. I don't want you like anybody else. I want you to stand out because you're through the, through the Jews, the, the word of God would come, didn't it? It came through the Jewish people. God separates his people from the world. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Truth in Christ. In our lesson for today, Pastor Rob reviews specific instructions God gave the nation of Israel in order to keep them away from pagan practices. God intended to separate them from the world so they could eventually reflect God's glory to the world. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we too are separated from the world by our Lord and continually sanctified to reflect His glory. Let's listen to Pastor Rob with our lesson for today. Doctrine important? Is it necessary? You better believe it. You keep telling somebody that they're a mistake, that they just kind of evolved out of happen chance. They evolve. There's no, no rhyme or reason to it at all. No designer, no accountability. You're just here. Just enjoy life. If it feels good, do it. Just do it. Because when you die, that's it. That's what they teach. And is it any surprise that we see what we have? But you tell a child from birth that they are a special prize of God, that God loves them. That child grows up very differently. And that child has a whole different perspective. That child has a purpose in their life. They know that God loves them. They know their parents love them. What a difference. And see, we're reaping the whirlwind, this country right now. God has allowed this to happen because that's what we wanted. And God is allowing it to happen. And are we going to let it happen, just continue to roll over and, and let all this filth just continue to go through? It's time that we stand up. We don't have to stand up with a machine gun. We don't have to stand up with a pistol and get our point across. You can stand up, rather kneel, (laughs) and, and pray in earnest. Say, God, heal us. Heal our land. Heal the church. Help us not to be afraid of anything. Help us rather to be fearful of you. Fear God. The fear of man brings a snare, but fear God. It's the beginning of wisdom to fear him. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, Peter uh, says this, and we just read this last week, last Sunday. The Holy Spirit speaking through Peter, 
It says, you are a chosen generation. Speaking of these, this church that had been birthed in Jerusalem, started off as Jews and Gentiles were added to that. But he says, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. What a great and precious privilege we have. Amen? Amen. We get into the next section here, and it seems... You know, God is telling them about these false, wicked practices. And now he's going to further segregate, if I can use, he's going to further um, consecrate his people because he's setting them apart. He wants to set them apart, and just like he wants to do with us. We are to be in the world but not of the world. And just back in here, God is saying, you guys are going to be different because I don't want you like everybody else. I don't want you like anybody else. I want you to stand out because you're through the, through the Jews, the, the word of God would come, didn't it? It came through the Jewish people. And who did the Messiah, the, the, the Savior of the world, come through? Did he come through the line of the Irish? Nothing against the Irish. Did he come through the line of the Germans? No. Did he come through the line of, it doesn't matter. He came through the line of the Jewish race. Why? Because they were so much better than anybody else? No, he said, because you're the least of all people. You're the least. I came through that line. He says, now you're a chosen people. The Jewish people and the church. But he goes on here and he further consecrates them, even with their diets. Even with their diets. In Leviticus chapter 11, I would encourage you to write that down because you'll want to go through that whole chapter tonight. Read that whole chapter and then come back into chapter 14 here and read this because Leviticus chapter 11 really goes into detail about the clean and the unclean things that they were allowed to eat and not to eat. God gave them a difference between the, the, those, those things and the food that they should eat. And so we're going to get into that. And now it's going to be like an abbreviated form, a little bit less detail, so that's why it's important to go back in Leviticus 11, and you'll read some things in between the lines of what we're going to read tonight, okay? So check that out. We don't have time to go there. But notice that, um, you know, when you look at this, why was there a prohibition? Most of us know that God had some foods that were clean, some that were unclean. What's the big difference? Why is there a difference? Was it because they were not healthy to eat, these animals? You know, was there something about the meat that was unhealthy? Is it possible? Was this prohibition because of the wicked Canaanite practices with these animals? Could be. Or was it because of these animals' diet? And God wanted the best for his people, even though the meat of these unclean animals was not intrinsically bad. There was nothing wrong with the meat. But, you know, was it because of the animals' diet? Could be. It's interesting to note as we go along here in this chapter, and we're going to read here in just a few moments, I want you to pay attention to a couple of things. The, the animals that are considered clean, they were herbivores. They were herbivores. For the main part of their diet, they were herbivores. They ate green things. They ate branches. They ate berries and nuts and those kinds of things, okay? And then the things that were unclean were things like hawks and eagles and carrion vultures And and these kinds of birds, they were birds of prey. Certain animals dwelt and they ate dead things. They ate the blood. They ate the, 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 the remains of animals. They killed animals. Notice the difference. 
I don't know exactly why God made certain animals clean and unclean to the Jews, but he did. And it's just my own personal conviction that not only did he want to, the Gentiles would eat all of this stuff, but he says, I'm going to make you a little bit different. I want to give the very best to you. I want to make sure that, because when God says the life is in the blood and you shouldn't eat the blood, he almost made it made sure that even the things that they ate, the diets of those animals, had nothing to do with blood or very little to do with blood. They were, they were herbivores. But the animals that, that ate decaying flesh or that killed other animals and ate them and ate their blood and ate their innards and all that other stuff, God says, stay away from those things. And so take a, think about that as we go through here. I had a little fun in doing this, I'll be honest with you. One of the things that I'm really enjoying right now is I feel like I'm back in school again because I've never taken apart and actually looked at some of these things and, and, and scratched my head and said, why? Why? And so it kind of, uh, I went into and looked, just looked at a few things. We're not going to get bogged down into this, but I think it's going to be interesting. And, and also, as a final thing for this, why was there a prohibition for these clean and unclean things? There certainly could be a medical benefit from staying away from some of these things. And we're going to look at that. Let's look at verse 3. It says, You shall not eat any detestable thing. And now these are the animals which you may eat. The ox, the sheep, the goat, the deer, the gazelle, the roe deer, the wild goat, the mountain goat, the antelope, and the mountain sheep. And antelopes are herbivores, and all of these other animals are herbivores. If you look at their, look at their diet, it's predominantly herbs and trees and branches and things off the, you know, nuts and stuff like that. That's predominantly what they eat. And they didn't eat other animals. They didn't eat their blood. Clean animals. We know them. We eat them. We have steak, you know, cows, oxen, oxen, we eat deer, and, and the meat of these things, especially the deer, is one of the leanest meats you can eat. If you had to compare an ox or, or a cow and a, and a deer meat, the deer meat is by far even better for you. And so God was even, you know, consecrating them in the things that they ate. I want the best for you. The other foreigners, they can eat all that stuff, but I want you guys to have the very best. I'm going to set you apart, even in your diet even in the things that you take in, notice. And that's for us too, the things that you take in. Think of that as we're reading this stuff, all the stuff they're taking in. What are you taking in? Are you taking in God's best? Or are you taking in what the world would have you to, to believe in, to, to take part of? So he goes on and he says, verse 6, And you may eat every animal with the cloven hooves, having the hoof split into two parts, and that chews the cud among the animals. Now, this is interesting because ruminants are those that chew the cud. And what is a ruminant? A ruminant is any even-toed animal with a, with, a, with a split. It's an even-toed, hooved mammal that chews the cud. And you may be asking yourself, what does exactly this chewing the cud mean? Many of you may know, but I remember when I was um, in my probably fourth or fifth grade, I had uh, a bunch of us kids were in our classroom and I remember my teacher, she seemed like really old, but it was probably because I was so young. And we were all sitting there with our bubble yum. Right? And we're sitting there chewing away. And she came, her name is Mrs. Van Warmer. I still remember her name after all these years. And she looked at us. She goes, you and you. I mean, she really got on our case because we were being smug and smart. And she had a bunch of us come up and spit our gum out. She goes, you look like you're all chewing your cud. And I'm like, what? 
what is she talking about? I had no idea what she was talking about. So I let the phrase slip from my mind. Many years later, I find out what it really means. Because ruminants, and this is kind of interesting. This is just how cool God is. And we're not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I think it is kind of interesting. This is the stomach of a cow, a ruminant. And notice here that there is, uh, here's the esophagus. And the food comes into this, and this, this animal, this cow, has four chambers in its stomach. The rumen, the reticulum, the omasum, and the abomasum. And these all have significant re- reasons for being. Because the food, we'll look at this next uh, thing here, this picture that you see, the food comes into the esophagus here. It comes into the rumen, and that's where we get the word ruminate. When cows chew their cud, they ruminate. They bring it in, they swallow it, they chew it, and they get it down into this area, this cavity down here, and it just sets down there. And then later on, sometime later during the day when they're laying down in the shade, they bring it back up again, right? It comes back up again, out the esophagus, into the mouth. They chew it up. What a great, efficient animal. Think of the things you ate tonight. You could go home and you can bring it back up again, chew it a little bit more, and then spit it back or, or swallow it back. But notice what happens. So it comes in through the esophagus, comes into the rumen, comes back out again. They swallow it again. It goes down into here, into the reticulum, and then it goes into this omasum area right here, and then finally down into the abomasum, and then finally out through the small intestine. And and all those different things, that's, that's what a cow does. That's what a ruminant does when they eat. When they chew something, they bring it into their esophagus, into this little chamber down here. They eat it, they chew on it, they let it set there. They can bring it up at will later on, especially if it's really good. They bring it back up again, they chew it a little bit more, now it goes into a different compartment into their stomach. It goes down into the reticulum, then finally into the omasum, and then the abomasum, and then boop, out, right? And so... And, and, and I have to show you this. I, I really was looking at this, and I thought this was really interesting. Because remember, this omasum area right here that I'm looking at, this is actually called the Bible. <laughs> they call this the Bible, and it's the lining of that omasum, of that compartment in the cow. And they call that, in the omasum area, they call this the leaflets, but th- they actually call it a Bible because it looks like leaflets of a Bible, like a book opened up. And that's where the food comes in the second time after they chew it and they bring it up again. They chew it some more and they bring it back down into the, to the reticulum. They bring it into the omasum. That's what the lining of it looks like. And so I just thought that was really interesting because they called it the Bible. But it's also interesting that this word ruminant actually can also mean a contemplative person. Someone who meditates, is given to meditation, and it brings to memory Whenever we're in Psalm 1, I bring up this idea of ruminating or masticating. When you masticate, you chew, and a cow will ruminate. That's what ruminants do, like cows and, and, and other ruminants. They will eat, and they'll, they'll meditate on that, right? They, they get that food in. They just kind of chew on it. They think about it for a while. And see, in Psalm 1, remember it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, here it is, he meditates day and night. He meditates. He takes it in. He lets it ruminate. That's the idea of biblical meditation. It's not closing all of your mind out and thinking on some kind of term and crossing your leg in the lotus position and, you you know, on some rock in the Middle East or the Far East. It's not about that at all. It's thinking about what you've read and how we need to do that. It's important. So let's go back in verse 7. 
It says, nevertheless, of, of those that chew the cud or have cloven hooves, you shall not eat, such as these. So there are certain animals you can eat, but do not eat these. Do not eat these animals, the camel, the hare, the rock hyrax, for they chew the cud, but they do not have cloven hoofs. They are unclean to you. Now, when you think of a rabbit, I didn't know this, but rabbits are actually, they can carry this disease called tularemia, and it's a rare infectious disease that attacks the skin, the eyes, and the lymph nodes and lungs, and it's also called rabbit fever, or it's also called deer fly fever, and it can uh, attack um, rabbits and, and uh, birds, sheep and domestic animals, dogs, cats, hamsters, and even people. If a person gets it, they have to get a pretty strong antibiotic to get it out of your system. So even this unclean animal, you think, is God just putting, making a difference between what, what could potentially be harmful to you? He wants to set, set aside those things that are good. Eat those. These things, be careful. Stay away from these things, right? Well, what about the rock hyrax? They're called conies. In Israel, you can, you can practically get right up to them. I remember when we were in En Gedi, uh, you can actually be from here to the chair next to a coney, and he'll just sit there and look at you. They look like little furry groundhogs, and they're, and they're very do- docile, and they'll, just, they'll, they'll practically almost come up to you. But also, verse 8, Also the swine is unclean to you, because it has cloven hooves, yet it does not chew the cud. You shall not eat their flesh or touch their dead carcasses. You know, it's interesting that, you know, in the Middle Ages, remember when the bubonic plague was spreading through Europe, the, the group of people that were largely unaffected, I mean, that, that some of them were affected, but by a large scale they were unaffected were the Jews because their sanitary practices, their food, diet, and the way they prepared food and the things they stayed away from and everything else, they were the ones who the majority of them were left unaffected. A very small percentage got the bubonic plague. Everybody else dying like left and right. And so the, the people who were hearing about this, that they thought that maybe the Jews had uh, concocted this thing and that they were the reason behind the bubonic plague and they began to get persecuted as a result of it. And, but it was really them adhering to the word of God because the Bible says do this. So what did they do? They did that. And guess what? It spared hundreds of thousands of lives, millions of lives, because of their adherence to what the Bible says. Hmm, I thought that was kind of interesting. Verse 9, These you may eat of all that are in the waters. You may eat all that have fins and scales, and whatever does not have fins or scales you shall not eat. It is unclean to you. I think of uh, fish that have fins and fish that have scales. God made them, and most of them continue, uh, continue in the water. Now think about this. You know, when you think about other animals in the waters and the streams that are in the oceans that are um, on the bottom of the ocean, you think of lobster, you think of crabs, you think of shrimp, you think of oysters, clams, mussels, all these things that we eat, they are stationary for the most part. They don't move around a whole lot. And they're at the bottom. They're bottom feeders. They're bottom dwellers. What happens when everything comes down from the top? All this stuff, it floats down, and that's what they eat, right? So God says, eh, stay away from them too, right? Makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, I love shrimp, and I love lobster, but you got to, you know, a steady diet of that stuff is not going to be good for you, right? And so God's telling them, stay away from these things. You know, even less than a cup, a, uh, less than a, a quarter cup, I'm sorry, less than a quarter of a pound of shrimp contains 65% of the recommended daily allowance of cholesterol. A quarter of a pound of shrimp. <laughs> That's a lot. Another 
shellfish, you know, oysters, mussels, crabs, lobsters, all these things were considered unclean. They contain, um, they may be, they have large amounts of cholesterol in them, especially in relation to their serving size. But he goes on in verse 11, all clean birds you may eat, all clean birds. But these you shall not eat, the eagle, the vulture, the buzzard, the red kite, the falcon, and the kite after their kinds, every raven after its kind, the ostrich, the short-eared owl, the seagull, and the hawk after their kinds, the little owl, the screech owl, the white owl, the jackdaw, I have no idea what that is, the carrion vulture, the fisher owl, the fisher owl, and carrion is dead flesh, and that's what these animals would eat, and the stork, the herring after its kind, notice that, the kind, it's a family of birds, even at the stork and the herring after its kind, and the hoopoe and the bat. Don't eat that. It eats other animals. Its diet is mainly insects and small reptiles like frogs and, 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 and stuff like that. They do eat some seeds and berries, but for the most part, they're eating other animals. And what about bats? You know, don't eat those. It reminds me of a VeggieTales uh, thing. If you've ever seen, um, it doesn't matter. But bats, 70% of bats, they eat insects. Some are um, fruit-eating fruit bats. Some are nectar-eating. Many of them are carnivorous. And some of them are called even blood-sucking vampire bats down in South America. And so don't eat those. God says stay away from those things. You notice, all, you notice the, the diet of these animals? It's other living things, other things, blood, guts, those kinds of things. Sorry for being graphic, but the animals that were clean were ones that weren't at the bottom. They weren't animals that attacked other animals. They were animals that ate herbs and and branches and trees and berries and things of that kind. Verse 19, And also every creeping thing that flies is unclean for you. They shall not be eaten. You shall eat all clean birds. You shall not eat anything thing that dies of itself. You may give it to the alien who is within your gates that he may eat it, or you may sell it to a foreigner, for you are a holy people to the Lord your God, and you shall not boil a young coat, young goat in its mother's milk. And in Exodus chapter 23, it says this, the first of the, of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. And this has been uh, one of those verses that has been famous in the, in the Bible. And partly the reason that this is um, there is because the Canaanites, this is part of their pagan ritual. They would actually boil a goat in its mother's milk as part of a rite, uh, a religious rite that they would do. And so God says, don't do that, for the milk is supposed to give life. And why are you going to take what is supposed to be given life and then now bring death into the picture? A young goat should be with its mother. It shouldn't be boiled in its mother's milk, right? And even to this day, if you go to Israel, they won't have milk or butter on the same table with meat. That happens. I've been there. I've seen it firsthand. You go to any place in Israel, you'll never see a piece of steak or, or meat and bread or, or butter and milk on the same table. You won't see it. You just have to deal with it, right? But I'm an American, so what? <laughs> right? So... They got this from their pagan worship. But what about the church? What about dietary prohibitions for the church? You know, when we look at Acts chapter 10, you know, many have taken Acts chapter 10 when Peter was on the roof of Simon the Tanner's house and the vision of the, of the, the sheet coming down with all these four-footed beasts and creatures came down and, and, and God saying, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And it, this happened three times, right? 
And finally, Peter says, not so. I won't eat anything unclean. And then it just so happened that three men from Cornelius' house were there to escort. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited format, Simply mention today's date when contacting our church office for ordering details. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location, and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. You can also listen to these messages on your mobile device by going to Calvary Chapel of Rochester on Google Play or Apple Podcast. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.